0: Welcome to the K2 sales podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Every week I'll be sitting down with a sales executive where they'll share their stories and experiences that produce game changing results. Let's be honest, sales can be a tough game. I'm sure at some point we've all delivered a less than stellar demo, been ghosted by a kind or two, and sometimes maybe we did more talking than listening. And that's where I can help. The stories and insights our guests share can be applied to your own business your territory, or with your team, so you're not reinventing the wheel. Our weekly tactics and strategies help you get out of your head and start creating your own path towards game-changing results. Welcome back to the KG Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Now, leaning in t- uh, to really break through the noise has become, you know, pretty challenging. I think as a result of the pandemic, it's taking a lot more to get our voice heard. Um, to stand out, and even to have the courage to stand out, and um, you know, show your vulnerability, show that uh, that side of you that really allows you to connect with with your audience. So, in my conversation today with Leslie Vanets, who's the uh, founder of Sales Team Builder, we talked about so many things about finding your unique voice, and you know, not only from a gender standpoint, from uh, women in color, um, LGBTQ. And really just, you know, how can we create a space for everybody where everyone feels safe, where we're encouraged and inspired to speak up, where we're moving the needle in terms of women in sales, women in in color in sales, both in the individual contributor role as a sales leader role. So Leslie shares some stats about that as well as what she's seeing. Uh, She also shares, um, you know, some tips and techniques about TikTok. Again, how vulnerability can be a help and also a hindrance, uh, the, you know, in terms of backlash and putting yourself out there with such a big audience. And we talked also about those who are, are leaning in and really showing up unapologetically, finding their voice. What are they able to do? What, what results and outcomes are they achieving as a result of that? That perhaps others who are maybe holding their punches, a little bit more reluctant to lean into that, vulnerability and um you know perhaps after hearing some of that it might invite them to loosen their grip and realize hey i'm going to um i'm going to put my 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 hat in a little bit and i'm going to lean into a little bit of the discomfort because on the on the other side is change and so we had a great conversation i shared a lot of the same views of her she definitely inspires me As a woman in sales, um, even she got me on TikTok, Um, I clearly don't have 28,000 followers like she does, but you know, consistency over time. And so anyway, I encourage you if you're an individual contributor, starting your sales career, even 10 years in, or you know, 15 years plus, there's definitely some nuggets to take away here. Also sales leaders, we talked about leadership and really the importance of modeling the behavior and how at that level can you disarm, can you lean into your vulnerability which in turn invites your audience, to do, your team to do that and, and, and show them that you're not perfect. You don't have all the answers because when you do that, there's a relatability and all of a sudden your team is putting their hand up. They're leaning in, they're asking for help. They're, they're perhaps going somewhere where they, they otherwise wouldn't have gone. Lots of takeaways here. If you know anybody who you feel would benefit from this, please feel free to share it. And as always, we would love feedback, so please like, subscribe, and share to the podcast. Again, the more listeners, the more reviews we get increases our reach, and again, gets our message out to a, a broader audience. So thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. So welcome to the podcast, Leslie Venets. I'm excited to talk to you today about... Really finding our unique voice. You know, when you think about the amount of noise going on today in the virtual environment and what it takes to really stand out and and avoid being commoditized and move out of the comfort of conformity, you know, we really do have to find our unique voice, but it can be very vulnerable at all stages of the sales um, journey, whether you're new, you know, 10 years in or even a sales leader. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about... Your journey from recently leaving corporate to going on your own and how you leverage your unique voice?
1: Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me really excited for this conversation and um, you know I think that that topic of finding your unique voice is such an important one and I, I think it's one that a lot of people, Struggle with, or they're they're on the journey with, and they're kind of still figuring it out. And that's certainly true for me. I'm not I'm not perfect. I'm not all the way there. But can share a bit about what my journey has has looked like. Um, so in 2018, Karen and I had come out of two back to back, really really toxic work environments. Um, so toxic that I, I don't think I fully grasped how much damage. They had done how much sexism there was, how uh, much like toxic bro culture and toxic masculinity and gender discrimination there was and until they were about a year in my, my rear view mirror. And at the same time, uh, I was building out the minimum viable product and a go-to-market uh, plan for a startup. I was hired as the first employee. So it was kind of this moment where I felt like women deserved better i had seen the damage that that gender discrimination and sexism can do and i'd also just created a successful company for somebody else and i kind of thought if i can do it for this dude why why can't i do it for myself and have it focus on helping Women find their unique voice, and not just women—really, any marginalized voice in sales. Like, how can we make sales a more inclusive profession? Uh, and I'll be really honest—I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I started. I knew I wanted to help, but I wasn't really sure how to help. So for those first few years, I just started sharing my story. And as I got more and more comfortable, and and sort of spent more time in therapy, dealt with more of the trauma. I shared more of myself. I was more vulnerable and uh, letting women know that they're not alone. I connected and I created a community, but I I didn't really think sales team builder would be my full-time job. I thought it would be my passion project, my per- my purpose project. and I, I'd stay in corporate America. I had this idea in my head, Karen, of, of my path to chief revenue officer and the the boxes I needed to check and the roles I needed to have between where I started and that that big achievement. Um, So I, last year in 2021, was interviewing for VP of sales roles, which in my head was my next step on my path to CRO. And it was such a terrible experience that it broke me. Like it, it absolutely broke me. I found myself one day like just sitting on the, the carpet in my living room crying. There was so much just sexism and gender discrimination. The, the absolute and utter lack of respect for sales as a profession was just glaring. And I found myself sort of thinking, look, why am I working so hard to stay in a space that clearly doesn't want me. And like, is B2B sales still my passion? Which for anybody that knows me, that should should make their like jaw drop that I would even like even think those thoughts. Um, so I stopped interviewing. I spent a little bit of time sort of looking inward and I decided to leave corporate America so that I could focus 100% of my energy uh, on supporting women in sales, on making sales a, a more inclusive, respected profession. And that's where I'm at now.
0: Wow, what a story up and down. You had me leaning in with, with emotion. It was, it was kind of <laughs> like watching a movie, but unfortunately a, a bit of a sad movie. Um, and so I want to just kind of touch on a few things, Leslie. First of all, sh- thank you for sharing that because – You know, I think it really does shed a light on others who are perhaps going through a similar situation and they may not have the courage to do what you did after experiencing such toxicity and and then finding the courage and not allowing that to waver your belief to go and follow your dream of launching Sales Team Builder. So I think, you know, not I think, I I really hope that that message for anyone who's on the, the cusp of maybe this isn't for me to lean in and say, you know what, don't give up. Like don't give up because there are good, you know, even within what you shared, I'm sure there's still some good companies out there. But on the other hand, if you are, you know, really looking to go on your own and take that entrepreneur path, not to give up, you know, and that, that comes back to, you know, really having that resiliency and that thick shell, but you can see how it could be, you know, whittled away a little bit when it's sexist and and it's so, you know, you feel unwelcomed for your gender, you know, so I get that what I see is I see, you know, the profession itself isn't respected and that's just, you know, the spray and pray and the pitching and all that stuff. But when you take it a level below that and you're, you're categorizing somebody or denying them opportunity or time or speech because of their gender, that for me is when the gloves come off. Hmm.
1: Yeah, you're so right. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be in a profession that is generally, Sort of looked at as a yucky profession is is generally sort of looked at, um, not even as a profession. It's looked at as a job that people do, not even an important enough job to really be considered a profession. And then you go that layer deeper to be a marginalized voice in in that community. And I mean, you look at the the facts with with women in sales, depending on the the study that you look at, uh, only about. 35% of the current B2B sales professionals are women. And then when you look at the percent of women in sales leadership, that drops down to 12 to 19%, 19% on the generous side. So there are just not that many women in sales. And there are even fewer women in leadership roles. Gosh, if you look at women of color in leadership roles, it drops down into the single digits. Um, And when I was interviewing, I was primarily interviewing with early stage founders. And so that is also a hugely male dominated space. I mean, in 2021, only 2% of VC funding went to female founders. And even Mm -hmm. if they had a male co-founder that only went up to 16%. So it was just me talking mostly to white men about a job that they, whether it was conscious or subconscious, thought that a, a white man should be doing. Mm-hmm.
0: That look alike. You don't look like me, therefore you cannot do what I do. Mm-hmm. Wow! And so you know, thirty-five percent women. That that's still a staggering statistic. And and the irony is, there's so many statistics that show how a diverse team outperforms a non-diverse team. So it's just uh, it 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 kind of shows that. You know, it's that old mentality that people aren't willing to open their eyes, take a step back and look. We live in a melting pot. Like, let's just embrace that and, and look at what other people can bring to the team that aren't like us, that challenge our thinking, that make us aware, what we do to our customers, challenge our thinking, heighten their awareness to get them thinking of something they wouldn't have otherwise thought of. How can if we're asking our team to do that, why then can we not shine that light on us and say, hang on a minute? let's look at the hiring process and how can we take a little bit of our own advice here?
1: Oh, it's so true. I mean, the the pieces that make sales as a profession so fun are those elements Mm -hmm. of curiosity are those elements of creativity. So it makes sense that the most productive, the highest performing teams are going to embody that curiosity, that diversity, that creativity, that, that willingness to absorb new perspectives, you know, in their, their own culture.
0: Yeah, I love that I can just draw upon my own experience in corporate, you know, thinking you go in with your own perspective, your own vision, and then someone challenges and you're like, God, but I've always thought this way. But then you grow and you're like, holy cow, I never considered it. And so if you're doing a group collaboration session, and you're on this level, like you leave there and you're eight levels out, you know, you're this wide. And you think, oh, my God, we were so tunnel visioned where, you know, our creativity, the opportunities, the angle in which we're now going to present this looks nothing like it did when we got into this meeting.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That that is it's so true. And how boring would it be to be a know-it-all versus a learn-it-all, mm. like constantly getting to, to try something new, try something for the first time, mm-hmm. figure out some new big bets to place? That's what makes it fun and keeps it interesting
0: yeah you know the only thing I can say is you know ego plays a big role in in what I've seen and going through corporate and just you know when you're at the top like that you play it safe and it's it's always been this way and I feel that that's why there's not a lot of change because it's they're only letting people in that look and sound like them so they're you know if you have a different view you're not welcome here and so not all companies are like that but that's kind of what I was privy to and And you just think, God, it's such a missed opportunity um, for for clients, for business, but also for talent, especially now. It's like you are missing, you know, 53% of the reason why people buy is the person. Like you're missing a huge opportunity on getting great talent.
1: On getting a talent pool that looks like the customers you serve. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. So let me just pause on these stats for a moment. So twelve to nineteen percent are in leadership in, as women. Do you think that's going to improve or increase as a result of you know more remote work? Um, because I feel a lot of the reason why is women had to manage you know the children, going on maternity leave, and kind of the the household a little bit. But because there's a little bit of work like work life integration, perhaps less travel. Do you are you seeing any shift or are you? You know, perhaps forecasting any shift that that number might get a little bit bigger because we can do a little bit more of a dual role. Yes,
1: one hundred percent. I think it's it's very small. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a small improvement, but it, it'll be an improvement. Um, and and you nailed it, Karen. That those opportunities to have better balance or or just to even ditch a commute so that you have the opportunity to drop your you know, child off at daycare, pick your care, like whatever it is, but the opportunity for working parents, whether it's a, a mother or not, but the opportunity for working parents to um, have more flexibility due to a remote environment, that's going to, to have an impact, I think a knock-on impact, but we also know that a huge number of women left the job market during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think it's going to be a, a build back before we can get ahead sort of situation. And that doesn't account for things like the lack of maternity leave, which impacts women in sales more than it impacts women in other careers because almost all sales roles have a base pay element and then also a commission element. So even if your company has maternity leave, it's on the base pay. So you're already losing usually 50%, 50 to 60, 40 to 60% we'll say is like a normal amount of commission to, to be included in your, your on-target earnings. Um, So I, yes, I want to be positive. Yes. I think we're, we're tracking. But I'm very much left with the sense of it is, it's just not enough. Like we cannot sit in or celebrate these very, very small wins when there's so much more work to be done. Mm -hmm.
0: No, I agree. And every time it's, you know, International Women's Day or something, it's just like, or girl boss. It's like, when's the day when we can just say it's like International Boss Day or just remove the title? Like, why can't we just be the same as everybody else?
1: So I have two thoughts on that. Um, the first one is very funny. Did you see the Twitter campaign that happened this International Women's Day on equal pay? Oh my gosh, go, go to Twitter when, <laughs> when you are done listening to this episode. Uh, it's hilarious. It, every British company, because they have to have transparency in their earnings, that posted about uh, International Women's Day, A, another Twitter account came behind them and left a tweet about the pay gap in their organization.
0: Oh.
1: It was amazing. I mean, not amazing because the pay gaps were shocking and disappointing and horrifying, mm-hmm. but it, it was hilarious. Because to your point, it's like, wh- why why do we only care about gender equity or pay equity one day a year or two days a year? It should be a, a given mm-hmm. all of the time. We should be working towards it all of the time. Um, but I i think to an extent i have a a somewhat unpopular opinion on the like women in sales or female founders and it's not that i don't think we should be able to just be founders like that's the goal right we're all on an equal playing field but the reality is that today we're not like there are a ton of factors that make it more difficult for women to be successful in corporate America, in B2B sales, as a founder, et cetera. So I I think it's important to be intentional about platforming those voices, calling out those voices, amplifying those voices. And I also think it's an important way for women to find their community, which we deeply, deeply need to know that we're not alone and to have that support to have the hard times and continue to, to go forward. So yes, that would be so nice eventually. Um, but today, uh, I'm, I'm still a fan of saying, like I'm a woman in sales, I'm a female founder, I'm a woman-owned business. And I like to, to own those titles because I think that it's more special to be a female founder than to just be a founder.
0: What I, what I took away from that, Leslie, is especially with that Twitter thing, I, th- I think that's great actually because what it highlights is hypocrisy. And um, this whole compliance, especially when you look at diversity and inclusion and you look at, oh, yeah, we, we check the box. We're compliant. And, and it's like on paper you are. It's like your mission statement on paper we are. But do you embody that? Is that mm-hmm. embedded within your culture? Do your people feel that? And it's just such a it's so BS. And it's just like, at what point are we going to call people out and say, OK, show me like or let's talk to your team and let me ask them, do they feel that they are equally supported? Do they feel that they're getting, you know, the same opportunities and all these things. So it just, it kind of, you know, forces people to task and say, okay, that's great. You're compliant. Show me.
1: The compliance is an, is an interesting way to frame it because it's so often that when we think about DEI as a framework, people stop at diversity Mm -hmm. because that's what's easy to track and measure So they can be compliant with their diversity requirement, but they aren't creating inclusive environments. They aren't creating equity within their their processes. And you and I both know, and I'm sure many of the listeners do as well, that it is not enough to hire a woman if you then don't create an environment where she feels safe and where she feels included in the conversation.
0: And so what would you say, Leslie, to those leaders listening and perhaps are not of that mindset? How can we start shifting it so that we're increasing the 12 to 19%? These younger generations that are coming into sales can actually see somebody like them that gives them the aspiration, the inspiration to go, I want to be like you. I want to be the VP. I want to be the CRO. But when you're entering a boardroom and you see six white men and you don't look like them, it kind of makes that goal, you know, you talk about visualizing your goals. There's nothing to visualize there because there's one of these things that don't look like the other.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some easy things that we are seeing more organizations do just to get more women in the door, uh, like removing a lot of the gendered language from job adverts. We don't need to only be hiring aggressive ninja athletes. (laughs) All the data shows that that's actually not is not who is most successful in sales roles anyway. Um, So maybe first start with with those those simple, basic things like how do you make a career in sales more approachable for women? How do you make your own culture, job adverts process more approachable, more equitable for not just women, but any marginalized voice? And then when you welcome women into the company. I think it's really important to acknowledge that you might have to put in a little bit more work to to make that atmosphere feel safe. If it is six dudes in a meeting and one woman, it is your responsibility to say, Karen, I've not heard from you yet. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on this? If, If you hear somebody else Claim a woman's idea. Speak over a woman. You see a microaggression. As as a leader, it is your responsibility to speak up and, and you know, identify that problem and make sure that you are giving voice to the, you know, the, the women, the minorities on your team. Um, so I, I, I honestly think they're somewhat small actions. Like we, like the, the revolution can come from pretty small actions, but it, it is about being really intentional and i think it's about taking the step from from allyship and saying like well sure of course i think we should have more women in sales to those actions that show that you support women in sales mm-hmm. and that you are are going to advocate us advocate for us to have more opportunities to lead mm-hmm. And there's a ton of data that also shows that organizations that have more women in leadership view women more confidently. Mm -hmm. So surprise, surprise.
0: No, I love that. And I think, you know, leaders, irrespective of gender, they have to be intentional. They have to show up with purpose and they have to understand and be able to, you know, clearly uh, articulate why they do what they do every day and and, and not even say it, show it so that people feel it, right? Because words are cheap action is where it happens. So I love what you said about just, you know, and I can tell you in my corporate background, most times I was the only woman in, in both on the team and in the boardroom with the customer. And oftentimes it went around and around and I'm like, I actually didn't speak this whole meeting. (laughs) I'm like, um, and then, and then you're like, well, should I like, do I just repeat? Am I the parrot now and just repeat? And so I think it's incumbent upon the leader to just do what you say and say like, Leslie, I haven't heard from you. What are your thoughts? but I think tonality plays a role there and we really have to create a safe space so they don't feel centered out. And then they're thinking, Oh, I'm being set up now. And I, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to, you have to encourage free thought and free speech. And the way you handle it, if it's not um, authentic and they don't feel that you're, you know, you're sharing, you're doing this from, with their best interest at heart, you're going to, you know, put them down a a deeper hole there. Um, So I I think those are great. and, And even though they, they may seem small. I I think the results will be very significant.
1: I agree. I agree. And I I think that creating a culture of psychological safety of having that trust, that's like a a great point to pin because without that, it's, it's a bit meaningless. Like the don't, what did you say? Don't say it, show it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. And I just think of, you know, like sometimes sales leaders, you know, they they overthink this. And it's like, imagine that was your daughter, your niece, your 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 little neighbor's kid, whoever. Like, do, wouldn't you want the best for them? You know, like, just kind of like take off all the armor. Just be like, they're just a human. Like, why do mm-hmm. we have to stigmatize? Let, let's just get the job done and let's work together. And just, I don't know, it feels like we're at it. We're making it so much harder than it needs to be.
1: Agreed. I, I feel like there's enough space for all of us.
0: Absolutely. So Leslie, keeping with, you know, the unique voice. Now, I would call you a TikTok sensation. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, we, we talked about, and this is a good segue because we talked about women in sales, your, your struggle or navigating the, the difficulties of, of moving from corporate and the toxic culture to going out on your own and through that, I would imagine, you know, your sense of belief, your sense of resiliency, and just self-worth have improved. But then you show up on TikTok, and it feels like you've, you know, you are, this is your unique, unapologetic voice. And and I'd love to know a little bit about what that journey looked like. 28,000 uh, viewers, so that that doesn't come lightly. So perhaps, Walk us through a little bit about why TikTok. Like, what prompted you? Was it to say I need to get my message out there and I want it away from the B two B space? Was this when you were kind of jaded, saying "Screw you, corporate! Um, I'm going this route." Or, or walk to talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so it was actually a little bit more like "Screw you, LinkedIn." Okay, which I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn is still my primary channel. I'm I'm on LinkedIn sharing content every single day. But there is an element of LinkedIn that's like very broy, really celebrates hustle culture. And it was about 18 months ago. And it just felt like that was my entire news feed was like, get up at 5 a.m. and hit the gym for two hours. And if, if you're not successful, it's because you don't want it bad enough. <laughs> and it's not surprisingly, like the posts were 95% from white dudes. And I, I just was getting so angry, Karen. I was just getting so angry. Um, and so I, I knew I wanted to start creating content that was more centered on the experience of women in sales. And I did not feel safe creating it on LinkedIn slash. I I just knew it wouldn't get any traction. So like, why, why try to, why try to create it for a, a channel that you know, isn't going to reward that type of content. And I, you know, looked at the the Twitter and Facebook and and all of that. And uh, at the time, interestingly, it was right when Clubhouse launched and everybody was running to Clubhouse and that didn't feel right to me. So it was when TikTok was about ready to get banned in the US, but I started a TikTok account and I was finding like a community already, and these shared experiences and shared voices, not specifically for women in sales, but just kind of that, that same conversation. And I thought this is where I should share my story because I can show up and be 100% unapologetically myself. So that's why I started the channel. Um, and it's been an amazing, uh, like an amazing journey. I, I've been so grateful to, to like be at the actual forefront of creating this B2B sales talk community, but it has also had its rough points um, there be, because I am showing up in a much more authentic way. I think it's easier to get my feelings hurt because mm-hmm. I'm really putting all of me out there and You know, interestingly, I had um, two pretty tough dips on TikTok. Uh, One was when Jordan Belfort, the guy that Wolf of Wall Street is based on. Yeah. um, He stitched one of my videos, which pretty much means he took part of one of my videos and then did his own reply to it, um, where he called me stupid for wanting to hire people that care about their customers. And the backlash from that, it was bad, like really bad, really hateful. And like particularly hateful because I was a woman, like some really gross, really nasty comments. If you saw my filters about which words are now blocked from being commented on, you would probably gasp a little bit. Um, So I, I had to pull back from TikTok for a few weeks after that one. Um, But was like, no, this is my space. I deserve to take up space here. Screw those dudes. So I came back. And then a few months later, um, I had a video just about how I was a proud B2B sales professional. And I don't know who the algorithm pushed it out to. But it was another backlash of people being like, all salespeople should die. Like, F you, salespeople are the worst. Like, call me and I'll murder you. Like, just so aggressive. Uh, and because there is an anonymity on TikTok that doesn't exist on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. it, it it became a toxic environment for totally different reasons mm-hmm. than LinkedIn was. So I still love it. I still you know I still post daily. I still get at least once a week, these amazing messages from people saying, I used this and I closed a deal or I asked this and I got the job, or I was about ready to leave sales. And I heard your story and realized it wasn't me. It was my manager. And that's why I keep showing up. Um, But like I have stopped playing the algorithm. I've stopped reading my comments. I block comments. I delete comments. I block people without hesitation now. And interestingly, it's had a Hugely negative impact on my growth. I was about seven months when I decided to pull back, and seven months ago I was at 25,000 followers. And now seven months later, I'm at about 28.5. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting that like TikTok is almost punishing me for not being willing to take
0: yeah.
1: the abuse. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'd still really encourage people. To show up on TikTok to join the sales talk community, um, but there are some moments where it's like, well, it's just I just can't win, can yeah. I?
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a balancing act between you know abuse and and your mental health as well or your sanity. Yeah. Um. What, wow. What you know? What what I think? What I take from that, Leslie, is think about sales and just you know don't take things personally. From twenty eight thousand people that are following you that value you what you say, and you got two. You know like let's let's look at the positives versus the two and what I also sit, take from that is anybody following Jordan Belfort like that's that mentality like that's that of course they're going to agree with him because that's that they come from a completely different camp so that's one thing that I and the fact that he stitched your video that's a huge compliment you you went on his radar he took the time it was to go so and say that I'd weird. be like thank you
1: it was, and I only had like maybe 10,000 followers at the time. So, I mean, I was like a very much a micro yeah. influencer uh, at the time. I, and the the it was because I said, I think sell me the pen is a lazy interview question. I didn't even say it was bad. Yeah, I just said it was lazy mm-hmm. because there's so many other ways to identify how somebody thinks about the sales process or their sales philosophy mm-hmm. uh, without... Referencing a movie that highlights sales people as scam artists and thieves and drug addicts and womanizers, um, so it did not sit well with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I it it is. Uh, I think like so so many things in my career, I, I recently described it as kind of feeling like I have been strapped into the front cart of a wooden roller coaster. And it's, it's a rickety ride already, but then I find out that like the coaster missed its last few maintenance checks, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, am I just going to f- fly off the edge of the rails at any point? Like It, it is a balancing act, and I'm a fan of, of kind of always pushing gently against my boundaries mm-hmm. to see what else I'm capable of and, and where else I can make an impact. Um, and sometimes I push too hard, and I, I really have to dial it back to protect my mental health and set firmer boundaries.
0: It's good, first of all, to always push ourselves, you know, in the incremental growth and lean into the discomfort because I always say that's where change is on the other side. But, you know, to the extent where there's 28,000 voices that <laughs> could release a, a screw in your in your wooden uh, roller coaster and end up, uh, you know, <laughs> the bottom somewhere. But, you know, good for you for keep going. And let me ask you this, Leslie, with, with the you know, your voice and how you're helping others and all the positive messages of resonance that you're getting – is there also a sense from you of comfort and solace in just saying like, this is a place where I can go and just share kind of what I'm seeing and, and you know, does it help you as well? Yes.
1: I think the answer is yes. Um, probably not the TikTok so much. That very much for, for me has been about helping others and like, how can I let other women know they are not alone and the way they're being treated is not acceptable. And, and that's what gives me the sort of gusto to keep going. Uh, but as part of this process, uh, really of finding my own voice over the past few years, I've been writing
0: mm-hmm.
1: a lot more um, and t- like writing and taking back ownership of my own story. And then, you know, really, I would say in the past year, Starting to post some of that stuff on LinkedIn, which that's a big evolution in my journey and finding my own voice. To to have the confidence and the trust in my LinkedIn community to to be able to show up like so authentically and really put the good, bad, and the ugly out there. That has been healing um, in it in a huge way. Like really taking back my story and not letting competing narratives or imposter syndrome win um, that's, yeah, that has, has been really helpful and really healing. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great to hear. And, and I can say I've experienced, you know, similar journey in terms of my writing and I, I do a, a bi-weekly blog and the more emotional, the more raw I am, the, 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 you know, the clicks are there. the the emails are always there. Oh my God. This, and part of me is like, is this too much? You know, I let them in my personal life. And they're like, that's when you get, Holy cow, I didn't know that me too and this hit home so much and I'm just like so I just keep going. So, you know when you say mm-hmm. you keep on leaning in, you know, part of it for me is my audience is is inviting me to lean in based on the feedback that I'm getting from them. So, you know, be careful what you wish for.
1: <laughs> I know. I, and it's it's a beautiful thing. And I think about the clients that I'm privileged to have right now and it is predominantly women, women sales leaders and women founders, or folks from the LGBTQIA Mm -hmm. community, or folks of color. Mm -hmm. And like that's, I, I was talking to the CMO of Electric last week, um, and she'd kind of gotten chastised for using curse words on oh, yeah, a, a session. Yeah. yeah. And I thought it was so relatable. I immediately was like, oh, like you're so real. Like I I feel so much more comfortable. I want to really listen to what you have to say because I, I trust that you're you're gonna be honest. Mm-hmm. Um and I guess she got some negative feedback, but but in the conversation, I was like, it's I have learned in the past few years that it is better to not be everybody's cup of tea, Mm -hmm. because that allows you to find the right people. And, you know, I think as, as founders, as salespeople, whatever, like there's this whole batch of qualified people that we could potentially work with or potentially serve. Right. But isn't it so much more fun to get to work with and, and partner with and build communities with the folks that share the same vision and values that,
0: that we do. I I talked about that before, just creating a polarizing message. So 80-20, you want to attract 80% and repel the 20. And I think those who are not willing to do that have this scarcity mindset that I have to be everything to everybody. And it's like, you're never going to be accepted by Jordan Belfort. Like, let's just, let's, let's get over that. And let's not tailor to him. Like, let's just know who our audience is and kind of stay in that sweet spot. Like, you know, the riches are in the niches and just focus on that and be okay with that so that there's an alignment. You're compressing sales cycles and we're speaking the same language.
1: That's so true. I might have to uh, take that and make a TikTok of it. Uh,
0: so I <laughs> I was inspired. I started TikTok, oh, maybe last year. And I did, I think, one. And for me, you know, my image is pretty corporate. You know, I did corporate for 20 something years. And so when I go on TikTok, it's like corporate, you know, with a side of, I don't know, <laughs> you're still corporate, Space. Well, I'm trying, but I, I do <laughs> find even when I do the recordings, it's more of a, not a venting session, but it's like, I'm telling you the experience I went through, you know, as a customer for whatever I'm doing. So this is the reason why we don't do it. This is so it, I find it very liberating just to kind of be me, totally me, you know, and be like, mm. this, this sucks. Like, don't do that. But I did it, you know, but the reason I know is because I used to do it too. So there's an element of vulnerability as well. But uh, I, I definitely started leaning in more because of you, so thank you for that.
1: My pleasure, I love that.
0: <laughs> um, so just kind of keeping in in theme with a unique voice, you know as we kind of come to the the, the end of the of the conversation here. What, what do you see those who are vulnerable enough, brave enough that are leaning into their and finding their unique voice at any stage of, of their sales journey? So whether they're, you know, new, midway at the, at, you know, 15 year plus. And also, yeah, let's say on sales rep source, what are they doing or what outcomes are they achieving as a result of that? Is there, is there a difference? It's kind of rewarding going like when you lean in, whether it's in the prospecting the discovery and you're willing to go there this is what, this is what separates those that are doing it versus those that are kind of playing it safe.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I think part of it to, to your story about your blog and and sort of the more you opened up, the, the more people leaned in, uh, there is something hugely relatable about being vulnerable. So I, I think a piece of it is that you just, you become human. Like you're not a, a important VP of sales or a a founder or some big influencer you are a human being Um, and I I think there's something really powerful in in humanizing ourselves by sharing our stories and by admitting it's not all sunshine and rainbows Um, I also would say to people that like you don't don't feel obligated to give pieces of yourself to the public before you're ready. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was really important to me. Like I had to go through some internal healing before I was ready to put those pieces out there. Um, and so it's, it's okay if you don't have everything to give at first, like it, it can be a journey, share what you're comfortable sharing. And, I I think it's really important for folks to remember whether they're like 30 days into their first sales job or 30 years into sales is that everybody has something to teach everybody else. Everybody has this, this lived experience that they bring to the table that might give them a different lens on the same, you know, perspective or the process that they're executing in sales or the way they're going to approach a customer. So know that your lived experience makes your voice and your perspective unique know that no matter where you are in your journey there's somebody that can learn from you there's somebody that you can inspire So, like show up with that mentality and i I think it will ultimately evolve to that place where you can become more and more vulnerable the more vulnerable you are the more relatable you are the more human you are Um, and that's really attractive to an audience and a community.
0: Mm -hmm. I think those are all really great points. And even that one, now a lot of people are jumping on the vulnerability train, but like you said, like, don't, don't throw it all out there. Like do it because you have to also be prepared for the backlash if it comes. So if you're not ready yet, incrementally release a little bit until it feels safe, until you kind of get your groove for it, which, which I would agree with. But I would also say, you know, sales leaders, and I always say this, that, that we need to model the behavior. And so if we're getting up in front of our team and we're saying, we got all the answers, we got this figured out, you know, we, we knew the pandemic, we saw it coming. <laughs> you're like, really? You know, how can we also disarm? How can we let them know that we don't have all the answers, but we'll figure it out together? Because once you create that, there's a relatability. And then you're inviting your team to also disarm and say, okay, now I feel comfortable coming to you because there's not this expectation of perfection, I have it all figured out because I don't. And so think mm-hmm. about people that perhaps were new to sales, they had a remote onboarding, they've never met their team, and then they show up and everyone's got it figured out and they're like, holy cow, I, I'm so not deserving of this. And then they exasperate and they get in their head so much. So I, I think sales leaders have a way more important role now to really lean into their own discomfort of, of sharing and knowing that by sharing, there's something really positive and beautiful on the outside.
1: Ooh, I love that call to action. And, and I, I think that most people don't want to work for a sales leader that's perfect mm-hmm. or has all the answers, right? Like we, we want to, to work for people that have integrity, who are competent, who we can trust, but who also have the humility to say, I, I didn't. Foresee the pandemic. I don't have it all figured out, but we're on this journey together. I'm going to be as transparent with you as I possibly can, and like, and we will get to this shared outcome as a team.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, I think it draws for me the minute you swear. I'm like, you got me. I'm leaning in, <laughs> but you also get me when you're when there's humility because I just think you were willing to swear. You're you're showing that is vulnerable. You're showing us a little mm-hmm. bit of who you are your personality, but also the humility. The minute I, I, I see that you are okay to share your mistakes, and in the absence of that, I think, what else are you hiding? If you think it's all figured out and you're putting this perfection, like, A, that's complete insecurity, but what else are you hiding? What else have you told me an answer to that perhaps, you know, it's really not true? You start eroding trust that I'm not even going to go to you anymore,
1: that's so true. That's such a good point. Like it can, it can actually have the counter effect that's intended. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So Leslie, you know, in terms of a final message, you know, we were the goal here is to really help, you know, increase diversity, equity, inclusion within the sales force. If people are still feeling a little bit like I'm holding my punches, I'm not allowing my voice to be heard. I'm not finding my voice and I'm kind of you know, wearing a few layers, what's the final piece of advice you would just encourage them having gone through what you've done to really lean into that, knowing that there is some positivity, you know, and there is reward at the end of the, at the end of the the tunnel. Mm -hmm.
1: I mean, first I would say I I get it and validate why they probably are keeping a few layers on. They're probably doing it to protect themselves. Uh, But I would remind them that their voice matters And it, it matters that they take up space and it's like it beyond it mattering, like it is their right to take up space. There is enough space for all of us.
0: I love that. I just get so empowered. I just want to start marching or something when I hear that. Like, yeah, like get your, take your seat at the table, like lean the heck in and Mm -hmm. find that voice and you know and and last thing i'll add is leaders you know we have to really protect and and create that safe space so that there's no mansplaining and there's no you know women not finding the voice help them help them to create so that in time you're not having to say leslie what are your thoughts leslie knows now she's leaning in goes hey guys i got something to add here They want to hear it now. So we have to train them and create this behavior that it is safe. But, you know, we we got to start somewhere.
1: Mm, It's true. It's that cultural transformation from from ally to advocate, from diversity to actual inclusion and equity that is so important. Mm -hmm. Scary, probably, Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe a bit daunting, but so, so
0: important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Well, Leslie, you've shared so much insight and passion and tactical tips around You know, navigating from corporate to entrepreneurship, um, TikTok, uh, resiliency, you know, and really, you know, how do you how do you find and keep your unique voice and show up unapologetically? So thank you so much. You've definitely continued to inspire me. As a a female business owner and having worked my entire life, usually being the only woman in the room. So thank you. For those people who are listening and they say, I want to learn a little bit more about sales team builder, I would like to connect with you. What is the best way for them to do that?
1: Absolutely. Well, you can find me on TikTok at Sales Tips Talk. Uh, I also live on LinkedIn. It's under my name, Leslie Vanets. Can't miss it. And I uh, just launched a brand new website with my brand new headshots and my brand new logo. Whole new Leslie, whole new adventure uh, at insidesalesteambuilder.com.
0: Okay. Well, that is so exciting. So we'll we'll include all of that in the show notes. I would highly encourage you to follow. Uh, TikTok, and look into her, her new program. And uh, thank you so much, um, and continue to uh, to shine brightly for all out there. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for tuning in to the K Two Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our weekly sales insights are geared towards sales reps, leaders and small business owners to help navigate the complexity of modern-day sales. Our tactical takeaways help you put a plan in place to start creating your own game-changing results. Until next time, happy selling. This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.